All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today, the Julio Jones saga is now at an end as we'll break down the Falcons officially trading him to the Tennessee Titans for a second round pick in 2022. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com. RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcfans. And, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode, we are talking quite a bit about Julio Jones. We'll be talking about his legacy to wrap up today's show. We'll get into now that the Falcons have cap space, in addition to signing their rookie draft class, what can they do to supplement their roster in the short term with that cap space uh, to sort of fill that void, that Julio Jones size void. And we'll talk about whether or not the Falcons got the right compensation to start things off on today's episode. But before we get into that, guys, I do want to let you guys know about today's sponsor of Locked on Falcons, and that is rockauto.com, where you can find amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Just visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on sent you. So let's talk about the compensation. And, you know, first and foremost, the surprise that I had on Sunday um, afternoon that Julio Jones trade was official because I, you know, I went into today thinking, oh, I'm going to wind up doing a podcast talking about Julio Jones and whatnot because of the quote unquote Matt Ryan shade that Jeremy Fowler of ESPN tweeted out on Saturday morning about Julio wanting to go to a team with a big arm quarterback. And instead we got the actual trade happening. And funnily enough, I was making an appearance on Lockdown NFL Sunday, the live show that we have on the Lockdown Podcast Network every Sunday at 11 a.m. that you can find on a variety of platforms. Um, and, you know, 15 minutes after I was on the show, you know, Diana Rossini of ESPN broke the news that the Falcons and Titans agreed to the trade. And shortly thereafter, we got sort of the details of the compensation. So we didn't get my live reaction on it. You did get to see if you did watch that, you did get to see uh, Tyler Rowland, the Locked On Titans hosts live reaction. And of course, I'll plug Tyler and the Locked On Titans because obviously they'll be talking quite a bit about the Julio Jones uh, trade and what it means for that team on today's episode, as well as future episodes. But, you know, we got the sort of compensation officially and the Falcons are getting a second round pick in 2022 and a fourth round pick in 2023 from the Titans in exchange for Jones. And the Falcons also sent a six round pick in 2023 uh, to the Titans. And if you do the math and you assume the Titans are basically still a first round of the playoff exit team again this season, as they were a year ago, it basically you add it all up to that the Falcons got the equivalent of a mid second round pick for Jones, uh, basically a pick in the 47 to 50 pick range. If you assume the Titans go to the AFC championship game. And again, this is consulting the various trade value charts uh, that you can find out there. You know, if the, if the Titans went to the AFC championship game this year with Julio providing that boost, 
you know, the compensation would be more of a late second round pick, probably in the 55 to 58 pick range. And if you're wondering, okay, what's the max value that the, the Falcons can get out of this is basically if the Titans go like four and 12 this year and are picking in the top five, um, you know, at the same point the Falcons were last year, you would be getting roughly the equivalent of like the, the 30th or 31st overall pick. So uh, one of the last first round picks based off of those trade value charts. So if you want to get the max value, if you want to get the equivalent of first round pick with this second and fourth round pick that the, the Falcons are giving or the Titans are giving up, then you better hope the Titans are really bad. Um, obviously, you know, the trade compensation pales in comparison to some of the early reports from folks like Diana Rossini saying that there was a potential first round pick on the table or the various reports that we've heard over the last several weeks that the Falcons were ideally seeking a, seeking a first round pick uh, as compensation. And I've heard not through nor notably official channels, but from those reports from Diana Rossini and others about the first round pick being on the table, what I've heard, the rumor has been that I've heard is that yes, a team did legitimately offer a first round pick in exchange for Julio Jones, but they wanted a second round pick or at least a high pick. And the rumor was it was a second round pick back from the Falcons in exchange for that first round pick, which, you know, you do the math again, looking at the various trade value charts, depending on where you know, those picks are that second round, that first round pick could wind up being like the equivalent of an overall, a second round pick or a third round pick uh, straight up in, in terms of overall compensation. Um, so, you know, I guess the, the question now is going to be, are we going to get leaks that this Titans offer was trumped by another team out there? But, you know, the trade happened, you know, whatever that is, that that's a, that's a different conversation. And the question becomes, did the Falcons get fair compensation for Julio Jones? And I think the answer is yes and no. Yes. In the sense that this was probably the best the market was going to be. You know, I never really bought into the notion of a first round pick. Basically, if you had asked me, and I think I said this on the podcast back in December, you know, that if the Falcons were to trade Julio Jones, they would probably be looking at similar compensation to what DeAndre Hopkins and the Texans got for trading DeAndre Hopkins, which was like a second and a fourth round pick. I think the Texans turned that fourth round pick into Marcus Cannon this past offseason. And they also got David Johnson from the Cardinals in exchange for that. And so to me, a second round pick plus was kind of always going to be the best case scenario in my eyes. Um, for Julio Jones, obviously we're hoping for more than that, but just didn't seem very likely. And you know, where the no comes in, in terms of getting fair compensation is I don't think a second round pick plus getting fair compensation in terms of what you're losing on the football field and you're not compensating with draft capital, you know, a, a second round pick based off of previous studies I've done many years ago has about like a 40% chance of turning into a quality starter. Another way that you can look at it, going back to that 2016 draft class, 14 out of the 31 second round picks taken that year, signed a lucrative second contract with their respective teams. Two more guys in Jerron Reed and, and Hunter Henry signed short-term uh, deals with the, the teams that had drafted them. So 16 out of 31, which is about 52% of guys um, were able to get second contracts from the team that drafted them. And that basically means that, you know, the, the Falcons would, in theory, be potentially able from that second round pick they get from Julio Jones is a 50, 50 chance of that player turning into Deion Jones. Who's one of those 14 players that got a second contract um, into the equivalent of Deion Jones. And, you know, what's notable about those um, 16 guys that got second contracts, like five or six of them, have already been rumored at some point in the last 12 months to be on the trade block. And, and one of those guys has been 
already cut. The, the Texans cut Nick Martin after he signed his 2019 extension from that 2016 draft class. And, you know, you look at that 2016 second round draft class four of those guys have been to multiple Pro Bowls through their first five NFL seasons. Chris Jones, Xavier Howard, Derrick Henry and Michael Thomas. Julio, of course, made the Pro Bowl three times in his first five NFL seasons and much to the chagrin of Falcon fans everywhere. Michael Thomas is the only one of those 2016 second rounders that is produced at that level. Um, but the point is really that the chances of the Falcons getting a star player with that second round pick are, and certainly um, is even lower with the fourth round pick, but it's, it's very low that they get a star player with that. And, and if you assume that the 2022 second round draft class is on par with the 2016 draft class, which is not at all a safe assumption, because when you look at 2015 or 2017's second round draft classes, it's only about half a dozen guys that got second contracts. Although to be fair to the 2017 draft class, there were obviously extenuating circumstances this past off season due to the depressed salary cap and, and more guys like Juju Smith Schuster taking those short term deals. But in a sense, you know, the chances of you turning that second round pick and obviously that fourth round pick into anything more than one contract players isn't necessarily firmly in your favor. And so arguably you're losing a player on the football field in Julio Jones that could potentially cost you two or three games this year in terms of his value on the football field. Certainly that's, a, I would argue that's been his value these last, you know, five, six years uh, in the league. And we'll, we'll see if, you know, that proves true. So, you know, to me, the question is going to be, can the Falcons make up for that in a lot of ways? And perhaps they can, maybe not from the draft standpoint, but potentially with the cap space uh, that they get from this trade to shore up other problem areas of the roster and sort of fill that void uh, elsewhere on their team, not necessarily in terms of the playmaking at the wide receiver position that they lose from Julio Jones. And we'll explore that topic as we continue today's Lockdown Falcons podcast. But of course, I want to plug the NBA side of Lockdown Podcast Network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, including the Atlanta Hawks. And as I'm recording this, the Hawks are beating the brakes off of the 76ers. So I don't know the outcome of that game as um, you guys are listening to this as I'm recording this, but in order to get the reaction of the Locked on Hawks host, Brad Roland, of course, you should subscribe and check out the Locked on Hawks podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They give you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like the month of May to get started at bet online. The NHL and NBA playoffs are ongoing. The French open is still going strong. And of course we just had the final leg of the triple crown, the Belmont stakes run this past weekend. And of course, baseball season is in full swing and you can track all that action at bet online. And it's not just sports, bet online even covers a Awards, TV shows and reality TV get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code locked on for 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts. So obviously I just outlined the Falcons probably did not get the ideal return in terms of draft capital from shipping Julio Jones to Tennessee. And even if they do hit on those picks, you're, you're probably not going to pay off in a major way on the football field, at least until 2024, 2025 uh, for those 2022 and 2023 draft picks. So maybe it pays off for the Falcons in the long term, But again, point being that's a ways off. 
And so instead, you're probably looking for more short-term value in terms of ways that this can work out in the Falcons' favor. And obviously, you're not going to be able to add a single player or make a single move that's going to provide the same impact that Julio Jones brings to the table on the football field. You know, Julio averaged 15.1 yards per touch last year. And when you count the players that touched the ball at least 50 times last year, like Julio did, uh, that would have been the seventh best figure in the NFL, outshining many of the top playmakers in the NFL, like Tyreek Hill and DeAndre Hopkins and Travis Kelsey, et cetera. Um, But, you know, the argument could be made that instead of trying to get it with one player, you can spread that impact over, you know, four or five players. And uh, with $15.3 million in additional cap space now, you now have the room to go out there and get those four or five players. Obviously, you do need to sign your draft picks. That's going to take a significant chunk of that cap space, about $6.25 million to be exact. And I suspect that we'll probably see the Falcons start signing their rookies this week, given that mandatory minicamp is starting tomorrow, I, I believe, as most of you are listening to this. So after signing rookies, that would give the Falcons about $8.6 million in cap space left over to bolster their roster. And then we've talked about this before, where if you assume that the team can sort of have a padding of like $3 million heading into the season, sort of an emergency fund in case they are hard hit by injuries and need to add players mid season or need to make other moves mid season. You know, that gives you roughly a little shy of $6 million in cap space to spend, to improve your roster. So, well, you know, what could that pay off? And, you know, that's two Cordero Patterson's that's three Lee Smith's that the Falcons could potentially add to their offense in their roster. So clearly uh, there's, you know, that could be huge impact. Obviously I'm being a little sarcastic when I say that, but you know, we've talked a lot about the remaining holes that sort of the, some of the glaring areas that this Falcons roster could certainly use some more help. You know, one of those positions we've talked about a little bit is the running back depth, you know, adding another running back wouldn't hurt, you know, given that the Falcons may be leaning a little bit more on their running game this year offensively in order to compensate for the loss of Julio Jones in the passing game. And I've said several times that outside of Mike Davis, I don't quite love the Falcons running back room. You know, I feel like there's could be more infusion of talent there. You could also add a veteran to throw into the competition, into the mix at left guard. And, you know, so you're not facing, so you're not facing a reality where Josh Andrews is the front runner to start there or a raw prospect like Jalen Mayfield is, is your backup plan is your plan B so to speak. And especially given, you know, the expectation that you might be leaning a little bit more in your running game wouldn't hurt to be better up front. Right. Uh, you could also shore up the defense in a lot of ways. And, you know, you're not going to be probably lighting up scoreboards this year in the same way that you would uh, with Julio Jones on the roster. And so it's in your best interest to be better at slowing down opposing teams. Uh, and so probably looking to address the pass rush is probably your biggest concern on that side of the ball. You know, a lot have been made about Dean Pease and this defense's ability to scheme pressure this upcoming season. But I think that can only get you so far if you don't have an elite secondary that can go toe to toe and lock up, you know, top flight passing attacks in man coverage. And while I am optimistic about the futures of AJ Terrell and Richie Grant and guys like that, 
you know, I don't think those guys are going to grow into a Marlon Humphrey uh, in Eric Weddle type of player overnight uh, that you're ideally looking for in that group. And not to mention, you know, the, the rest of the secondary, even in a world where those guys did become that, the rest of your secondary is still is filled by a bunch of journeymen like Fabian Moreau and Deron Harmon. Um, so you could potentially address the secondary further if you felt like that was a concern. But I think probably it is in your best interest to try to enhance your ability to get pressure with four guys and, and adding one or two more pass rush particularly on the outside uh, to enhance that unit would certainly be in your best interest. And obviously if the Falcons were to land a pass rusher, like a Justin Houston, a Melvin Ingram, maybe even a Jarrell Casey, I'm sure many people, you know, many of the same people that were probably crying about the Falcons, not targeting or taking a defensive player at the top of this past year's draft, you know, will be saying, Hey, well, the Julio Jones trade is worth it now because we were able to address our real issue on, on the team this past year, which was the defense. So and we'll see if that happens. Obviously it becomes nearly impossible. At least if you're me trying to predict how this new regime is going to choose to operate, because obviously three months ago, if you had asked me, I would have said there was a 98% chance that Julio Jones is a Falcon this year. Um, but to this last point, before we sort of move on and talk a little bit more about Julio Jones's legacy, you know, I will say in terms of a salary cap standpoint, the cap savings that you get in 2021 certainly could help your team this year, but you still have to overcome a $15.5 million dead money hit that you're going to take on in 2022 from executing this trade this summer. And you save little shy of like $4 million in 2022 by trading Julio Jones, but that's still $15.5 million, still a lot of dead money to be paying for someone not to play for your football team, especially if that player is arguably one of, if not your best player. And so do you take him along with Dante Fowler who had, you know, his 2022 season wiped off his contract with his sort of pay cut and restructure. You already are set to pay $20 million in dead money uh, next year, which is before you even make other additional cuts, you know, in over the next, you know, six to nine months. Um, so, you know, based off of my preliminary calculations, the Falcons are going to be once again up against the salary cap next year. And they'll still, similarly to this year, have a bunch of roster spots that they'll have to fill out around. They get about 30 or so guys signing the contract. So you got another 20 or so guys, another two dozen guys that you're going to have to add to your roster between now and the start of 2022. Um, so they have some big contract decisions that will once again involve Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and Jake Matthews and Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones again next offseason. And those will involve probably restructures, extensions, trades, cuts. We'll have to sort of see how the Falcons deal with that situation. And so let me make it clear. I, I say all this is because this move, while it moves the needle for the Falcons cap situation this summer, it doesn't really move the needle for the cap situation beyond this summer. Um, you know, we're going to be basically in the exact same predicament cap wise to start um, next off season as we were to start this off season where the Falcons going to have to redo a bunch of the top contracts on their roster to get under the salary cap. Um, and so as I've said many times before, that becomes a lot more palatable a decision to do um, if you're coming off a winning season and and or playoff appearance. Um, it becomes a lot harder to justify that quote unquote run it back mentality as some might term it if you're coming off a fourth consecutive losing season. And that gets back to the questions that we 
had all off season that have raged all off season that I've discussed ad nauseum uh, on this podcast all off season about whether or not this new regime has a quote unquote, you know, big plan. Um, and, you know, obviously we'll have plenty of days this summer to relitigate that as uh, we'll talk about what's next for the Falcons offense and what's the plan for the long-term future of this team in the coming days, weeks, and months. Um, and so I'll be clear before we move on is that I think being that winning team and being that playoff team became a lot harder today by trading Julio Jones, but we can certainly discuss that at a later date. And instead let's wrap up today's episode by talking about something that's at least somewhat positive, at least we'll be positive towards one individual, maybe not necessarily the team, but we'll talk about Julio Jones's legacy here in Atlanta. And I'll share with you some of my memories uh, of, of Julio Jones and, and what he has done in this team uh, in this town with this team over the last decade. But before we get there, guys, I already showed love to the NBA side of the lockdown podcast network, but I got to show love to the NHL and MLB sides of the lockdown podcast network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite hockey or major league baseball team. Uh, check out locked on Braves. If you're you know a big Braves fan, or you can check out your favorite MLB or NHL teams, uh, daily podcasts, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Find them all on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you guys know that Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar on the market, has nine delicious flavors? Whether you're a big fan of coconut almond like me, because it tastes just like an almond joy, or you're a big fan of salted caramel, mint brownie, cookies and cream, cherry, barcia, double chocolate, raspberry, coconut, or peanut butter brownie, you can find something for everyone and you can try them all with a mix box getting to each of all nine flavors built bars are great because they all contain 100% real chocolate so they taste just like a candy bar and it's not just about their great taste they're also very healthy too they're low in sugar low in calories high in protein high in fiber I like using them as low calorie meal replacements for breakfast and lunch you can use them to give yourself that energy boost pre or post workout as you work your way into that summer beach body now that quarantine has been lifted built bars can be used however you want just head over to the website at builtbar.com use the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your first order that's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com the falcons are going to be looking to find more parts the right parts to supplement their roster and that can be difficult because things would be a lot easier if there was a one-stop shop website that you could go to to find the right parts for your football team but there isn't that website, but there is one for your car parts. And that, of course, is rockauto.com. They have everything from engine parts, motor oil, floor mats, brake parts, tail lamps. You can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And the rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose by brand, specification, and the price that you prefer. And those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com so let's talk about julio's legacy and let's go all the way back to the beginning you know i was a i was a big fan of julio when he was coming out of alabama 
if you would ask me, who do you like more? I like my personal preference was Julio Jones. I like that physicality that he brought over AJ Green, although I understood sort of objectively AJ Green probably checked more boxes that you were looking for in terms of evaluating the wide receiver position than Julio did because, you know, Julio came from a run first offense. His production was kind of up and down at Alabama. There were dominant games, but you didn't see that consistently week in and week out. Um, from him. And there were some concerns with the injuries. There were some concerns with inconsistency, all those various things that led to AJ green being pretty much universally hailed as the better wide receiver prospect. And, but you know, I love the player. Now I didn't love the trade, the, the trade up to get him. I thought the Falcons gave up too much for one player, putting all those resources in the one player when there were still several other issues on that team, that was to me a very questionable tactic uh, by the Falcons, and I question that trade. And still to this day, I, I still question whether or not the Falcons, you know, overpaid uh, for Julio Jones. As I've said many times, there was a give and a take to that trade. The give was getting Julio Jones. The take was that it weakened or it weakened their ability to shore up other parts of the roster, which I think manifested in some of the subpar seasons that we saw in 2013, 2014 as well. But I think Julio Jones. You know, one of his biggest legacies is that he played at such a high level that he almost single handedly made up for, you know, the four or five starters that the Falcons lost in that trade single handedly. And I think that was embodied in the 2012 postseason run and particularly that NFC championship game against the 49ers, where to me, the 49ers were just a significantly better football team than the Falcons were. And and the Falcons needed to get off to a fast start in that game to have any chance is basically get out to an early lead and just hold on to dear life. That's basically how they beat the Seattle Seahawks the previous week, who I thought then also were, was a much better team than the Falcons and Julio Jones basically was the Julio Jones show for that first quarter. And he tweaked his hamstring, got hurt. Um, but like his ability to be able to make that offense more explosive, which is what the vision that the Thomas Dimitrov and company had when they m- made the move to go get him, you know, he lived up to that vision and to me almost single handedly uh, got the Falcons to the Super Bowl that they probably had, you know, if I'm being honest, had no business being in because they just weren't one of the best teams in the league that year, despite their record. Um, and, you know, that speaks a little bit, you know, the fact that he got hurt in that game and the Falcons offense went downhill, um, you know, but that speaks a little bit to the injuries that have always sort of followed Julio throughout his career. But I've said many times on this podcast in the past that there's two types of injury prone players or injury prone players that their presence in and out of the lineup doesn't make a a significant difference to your team's ability to win. You know, Sam Baker is probably the prototype player that I use for that example of it didn't really matter that Sam Baker missed most of the 2011 season because Will Svitek was just as good, if not better than Baker was as his replacement. But Julio Jones is one of those players that, you know, and all you got to do is look at the numbers uh, for Matt Ryan's passing efficiency when Julio was in and out of the lineup throughout his career. And that was true last year. That was true in 2013. That's been true 2015, et cetera. You know, it, it speaks for itself. He has a dramatic impact on a team's success when he is healthy. And and to me, I, with for those players, I don't hold it against them that they constantly get injured. I will take seven games of Julio Jones over 16 games of his replacement because um, he'll give me more value in those seven games than the 16-game guy will give me. Um, and so for me, most of my best memories, most of my greatest memories of watching the Falcons over the last decade involve, you know, Julio Jones doing amazing things. And I think he did things the right way. He's not a diva. I know some of the things that have come out in recent weeks and recent months uh, that Julio has said himself or things that people have 
you know, likened to Julio saying have maybe soured people on him in that notion of not being a diva. But, you know, I, I don't think that's a fair way of describing Julio Jones. He's never been a guy that cares about the accolades or the production. All he cares about is winning. And I, again, I think that's part of the reason why he's tired of being a Falcon. But like I've joked these last couple of years, because uh, I remember when I first started doing Lockdown Falcons solo, whether it was 2017 or 2018, at some point in the first year and a half or so of doing the show, someone asked a Q&A question at some point. I want to say it was sometime in the summer about like Julio's offseason activity. And like in the process of like researching to, to answer that question, I realized like I don't know anything about Julio Jones. Like what he does off the field is a mystery. Like I didn't know then and still don't know today if Julio Jones has kids, if Julio Jones has been in relationships. All I really know about Julio Jones in terms of what he brings off the field is that he likes to fish. One time he lost some jewelry in Lake Lanier while jet skiing. He's friends with Amigos. And I learned last year that he was great friends with Todd Gurley. And apparently this year he's great friends with Cam Newton uh, is, is what I'm hearing. So like, those are the only things I really know about Julio Jones. He, I've, as again, I've joked before, like at the end of the season, he rides off into the sunset, never to be heard from again, just disappears off the face of the planet, goes to an alternate dimension, you know, gets into his, you know, divine sarcophagus and recharges his divine powers skips OTAs shows up for training camp balls out for five months and then disappears again. He's been doing that, you know, basically every year for the last decade. Um, and he just feels like the highest profile sports athlete of across all major American sports that we know next to nothing about in terms of his profile versus what we know about him as a person as off the field in terms of his behavior and what he does like that, disparity is massive. And I think he's certainly in the conversation for having the biggest disparity in that regard. Maybe you guys can come up with some other better examples, but I can't off the top of my head. And for me, you know, Julio has been my favorite Falcon player probably since that 2012 season when he first really sort of took off. And, you know, I know for some, the, the legacy of Julio Jones has been complicated somewhat by how it's ending his time here in Atlanta. And I know some feel fans especially feel some type of way, when talking about Julio's greatness, because in in their eyes, it has often been used to occlude or, or diminish Matt Ryan's greatness. Um, and the truth of the matter for me is, is Ryan is good. Julio is great. And if people use that as a bad faith argument against Matt Ryan, then so be it, you know, I'm not going to necessarily diminish Julio's greatness in order to try to compensate for that. Uh, so, cause for me, like when people talk about these 2010 Falcons, I think Julio is going to be the first person that they mention, the first person that they think of. He's certainly the first person I think of, of when you, when I, as I said, when I think about all the, the highs of the Falcons over the last decade, most of them are Julio Jones moments, right? That highlight reel is going to feature a lot of Julio. Um, and obviously we'll see sort of how the rest of his career goes in Tennessee and, and potentially elsewhere. Um, but I do feel like there's a better than average chance that when we talk about the best wide receivers to ever play the game, Julio's going to be in that same conversation with guys like Randy Moss and, and Jerry Rice, at least on the Mount Rushmore of the greatest wide receivers of all time. You know, I know some people put Terrell Owens. I know some people put Megatron. Apparently, I've learned over the last couple of years that some people, at least in one state, one region of the country, put Julian Edelman on that Mount Rushmore. I'm joking, of course. But, like, I do think a decade from now, Julio has as good a chance of anybody of turning that quote-unquote big two of Roth, of Moss and Rice into a big three. 
Um, so you can't really say that about too many Falcon players in history. You know, Deion Sanders, you could probably say that about Tony Gonzalez. You could probably say that in terms of guys that were among the two or three best players to ever play their respective positions in the game ever. You know, and both Dion and Tony were guys that only played five years in Atlanta. You know, Dion at the beginning of his career, Tony at the end of his career. And you can argue in both guys' cases that the bulk of their legacies were built elsewhere. Right. But that's not the case with Julio Jones. You know, he played in Atlanta for 10 years. His legacy is cemented in Atlanta. And and for that reason, you know, I feel like he's the greatest Falcon player of all time. You know, he, to me, he is Mr. Falcon. You know, we talk about Tommy Nobis and we talk about Claude Humphrey and Mike Ken, et cetera. But it's to me, like when we talk about who's Mr. Falcon, who's, you know, the greatest player um, to ever play for the Falcons, you know, to me, it's Julio. And then you guys can argue amongst yourselves about who's number two. That's really what you're talking about to me. And I know that, you know, that complicates things with Matt Ryan and whatnot. Um, You know, and I think Matt Ryan, you can certainly say has had the greatest careers, the best draft pick. Um, in, which is inherent to sort of the extra value that he, Matt Ryan gets from being a quarterback, et cetera. Um, but, you know, for me, you know, in terms of the player that was the best to ever put on the Falcons uniform, it's no doubt about Julio Jones at this point in time. And I doubt anytime soon I will see anybody that really enters that conversation and, and trumps Julio in that regard for many, many, many years, if not many, many decades. Uh, I think that's how rare a player he is. And, you know, the last point I will say is, you know, there's been a lot of sort of Julio slander, um, particularly these last couple of weeks uh, directed towards him. And, and I know I've noticed this trend among those Falcon fans that have tried to diminish Julio uh, in the variety of ways that they have done, you know, always somehow seem to want to cite like loyalty to the team loyalty to the logo, whatever the case may be. And I always just find that baffling because like all of us are loyal to the team. The fact that all of us are still here after surviving 28 to three, like we're all loyal to the team. Like you, you don't get brownie points for being extra loyal. We're all on equal footing in that regard. So I, I just don't get why people feel compelled to sort of show their loyalty by taking digs at Julio because this situation is not getting resolved in the way that we all um, would have liked to see it get resolved in, you know, that's just life. You know, that's why I sit here. And in the past I've, I've ranted about immaturity. Cause I'm like, this like life is not fair. You know, like none of this is fair. Like nobody wanted to see this happen. You know, everybody wanted to see Julio Jones play, but it is what it is as, as they say. And I just don't get why we're taking shots at Julio Jones. You're, you're never going to see me do that. Um, but you know, that's, that's the last point I'll say, obviously there's still so much that we can talk about, involving the situation in today's episode was only meant to be the tip of the iceberg. And, you know, you can, we could talk about this not only in terms, and I know we will spend quite a bit of time talking about the sort of the Julio Jones sized void in this offense and how the Falcons can compensate uh, offensively for losing a playmaker of his caliber. You can also talk about it from a player empowerment standpoint with, you know, players like Julio Jones and, and Aaron Rodgers. We've seen this in the NBA and it seems to be filtering into the NFL where players are, are being able to take some of that power back and be able to, to dictate where they go. If, if indeed Julio Jones, you know, really sort of force this trade to happen. Although I'm sure some people don't think that it was as much Julio wanting out as much as the Falcons wanting to move on. Um, but, you know, talking about the tip of the iceberg, of course, 
you know, this is the tip of the iceberg of the coverage of this. And of course, you know, Peter Bukowski, the host of Locked On Today, will have you covered on this story as well as all the other stories, big stories in sports this weekend on the Locked On Today podcast. It's all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. So subscribe to Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So, guys, there you have it. Again, we'll probably talk a little bit more about the X's and O's aspect of losing Julio Jones on future episodes, potentially tomorrow. Obviously, I will have some guests on to talk about this topic. I didn't immediately book uh, people, or at least I didn't plan on booking people last week. I had some guests planned on coming this week, not specifically to talk about this trade, but to talk about, you know, potentially life after Julio Johnson. So obviously that gets accelerated a little bit. So I will reach out to some folks and see what they have to say about this. And we'll uh, see what they have to say. So still a lot more to talk about, you know, for me, it's a sad day as I tried to explain um, that we're, we're losing one of the greats of all time, not only in the Falcons uniform, but potentially in the NFL. Um, And it's a shame that it had to come to this, Um, you know, there's no hate in my heart for anybody, whether that's a former coach, former general manager, current coach, current general manager, Julio, or, or, or any current player or anything like this. As I said, it is what it is, but um, it's unfortunate. I'll leave it at that, guys. Appreciate it. If you have any feedback that you want to provide on anything I talked about on today's episode or anything you want me to talk about on future episodes or anything I've talked about on past episodes, of course, you can hit me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, on Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. Appreciate it, guys. Till then.